When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red. That's Nottingham Forest March on one step closer to promotion, hopefully by the automatic route, after a brilliant 5-1 win against Swansea at the weekend with a Sam Surridge hat-trick marking the occasion. To discuss all that and look ahead to that massive game against Bournemouth tomorrow, I'm joined first of all by our Reds correspondent Sarah Clapson. Hello Sarah, are you well? I am, yes. Hello Matt. And hello, Sarah. And our second guest today is uh, Reds fan regular Mikey Clark. Hello, Mikey. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Hi, Matt. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Right. Um, let's get straight into it. Um, Sarah, um, verdict on the game? I mean, uh, I, I must admit, I found it too stressful to listen to the whole thing. I listened to the first half with Colin Frey and then went and cut my lawn because I couldn't, couldn't bear to think they might dominate the game and not win. What was it like in the stadium? <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit like that. They had so many chances in the the first half, especially. You got to half time and wondered how they went five one up um, already. Second half was a, a bit more comfortable. Scored some really good goals, um, took control of it, and well worthy of the win. And yeah, I think it was a, a really positive day and a fantastic atmosphere at the City Round. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and. If that is the last home game, then what a way to go. It, it was, uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, Mikey, you messaged during the game about the atmosphere. I think it was maybe 4-1 at that point. I'm not sure, but you said it was up there with anything you could remember. Was that one of your big takeaways from the whole occasion? It was, yeah. I think a lot of people went to sort of pay their thanks to the team for a remarkable effort in the last sort of few months. And the atmosphere, even from minute one, was absolutely fantastic, I think. Forza did a bit of a um, a bit of a flag display at the start that always kicked things off nicely, and we and we really started on the front foot, and the crowd fed off that as well. So, whilst uh, you know you were saying that you were a bit nervous at halftime and uh, couldn't listen, um, <clears throat> I don't think that was replicated in the ground. To be honest, I think at halftime everybody was remarkably calm, and I think that's probably a bit of a uh, a compliment to the way we've come out in the second half in recent months. I think there was just a a belief there that we'd find a way to, to get the three points. And uh, obviously that was an emphatic second half display. But yeah, in terms of the atmosphere, it was absolutely wonderful. It was a, it was a great way to uh, end the regular season at home. Um, yeah, the first half, talking about the first half, I don't always read out opposition manager comments, but I'll read this one out from Russell Martin, the Swansea boss. I thought the first half was great. We took the sting out of the atmosphere and controlled it for long periods, he told our friends at Wales Online. We had some really good moments. Their scary moments came from set pieces and on the counter-attack, which is something they're brilliant at. And I don't like to say, you know, we should be drug-testing managers as well as players, Sarah, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I'm not... What's he on about? Not quite sure. Yeah, not quite sure where he got that from. He must have watched a different first half to, uh, to most of the people inside the ground because Forrest were 
they didn't have a lot of the ball and that that was part of the game plan I thought it was really a really clever way of approaching it from Steve Cooper he really showed his, his tactical knowledge um because he explained afterwards that he's obviously seen a lot of Swansea they've done a lot of analysis they do a lot of work in, in any game but they know that that Swansea do see a lot of the ball but they also give away a lot of goals and a lot of opportunities and they played on that um I think it was Forest overall had about 30 percent possession um but still managed a heck of a lot of shots and a heck of a lot of uh, opportunities created and they they did a lot in the first half I, I, yeah I, I would have uh, taken uh, umbrage with those comments the Swansea just a bit naive Mike I mean if you give a team the ball they come up and up and up the pitch and their line gets higher and higher they're prone for a counter-attack aren't they I mean is that just another mark of Cooper being this tactically versatile master this season yeah, I agree. And I, I did hear those uh, comments. I thought they were rather strange. I think um, before the game, Swansea let in seven goals in two games, uh, <clears throat> four against Reading, three against uh, Bournemouth. So obviously defensively, they were a little bit frail. I, I kind of expected them to maybe play a little bit deeper, a bit more cautious. But um, the way they approached the game, I, I found quite strange so they I think they had 71% possession but never really as Sarah was saying threatened our goal so we just sort of set traps and picked them off if, if you watch the goals back in the second half most of them came from the transition to where they're losing the ball in sort of our final third they've committed too many players up the pitch and we just sprung and attacked them so I, I kind of understand what he was saying around trying to control the first half and they did go in at 1-1 that's fine but like I said before there was just a, a belief around the ground that this can't continue because we should have got three or four in the first half. So, you know, as players get more tired, um, the game opens up naturally. Uh, I, I found their, their tactics a little weird. So so that's 12 goals in three games they've conceded. Well, if that's controlling a football game, then, you know, <laughs> not necessarily where, where my head's at. But no, uh, they obviously have a very defined way of playing Swansea. They have for a number of years over a number of managers. Um, I think something like that showed that Steve Cooper is tactically a little bit ahead of his opposition manager on Saturday. Um, and it was it was pretty obvious from where I was sitting what what was going to happen. They lose the ball. We quickly transition and attack. And it, I think we had twenty seven shots, seventeen mm. on target. Mm. I mean that's that's outrageous. If 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 a team's had more than that this season, I'd be I'd be surprised. No, it's the record. It broke a record jointly held by Man City and Liverpool. I think it was 15 that was the highest this season. Um, we should talk about Sam Sorridge in, in some depth, Sarah. I know, I mean, he did start listening to the radio. He missed a couple of chances in the first half, but he is he's just a wonderful finisher, isn't he, when he's when he's you know confident. He seems like a confidence player. He's obviously got that at the moment. Yeah, his finishing is incredible. He's just so clinical. And yeah, he did miss a couple of chances um, in the first half, but the ones he took were, were just superb that I could watch that one where he curls it into the net so many times I think I've watched it over and over again it's just absolutely wonderful play and wonderful finish Um, all of them really were were good goals a good header and the third one where he he kind of was alert to the um, the ball coming into towards him from um, Jed Spence's cross that hit the bar Um, and he's just he's just clinical and he just offers so much as well. I think sometimes it's it's easy to overlook the the hard work and the the effort that he puts in during the rest of the game. But he he works so so hard. He's he's great when he gets the ball. He'll help out um, 
tracking back. He'll put pressure on defenders. He's great on the last shoulder. He's just a fantastic player. And he just, it's great that he's got this run in the team now, I think. When when you lose somebody like Lewis Graben and, and Keenan Davis, I think sometimes there's, there's a bit of a, a concern about how you think Forrest are going to do and whether they can cope with that. But he's just stepped up and you'd back him over a longer period of time to get a lot of goals. Um, if he gets an extended run in the team next season, I think he, he can easily get to 20 um, because he, he's just got that in him. Mm-hmm. Um, Forrest had Dale Taylor on the bench as well. It's worth noting mm-hmm. at the weekend, obviously. The next man, next man up is Dale Taylor at the moment. He's a very exciting prospect. Um, Mikey, I suppose the second goal will get all the headlines because it was, you know, I think it was compared to Thierry Henry on Sky. It was that nature of finish. But like Sarah says, Surridge's all-round game makes him such a valuable player at the moment, doesn't it? I mean, against Fulham in that first half, I thought he was exceptional without getting a look in at goal. Obviously, he set the goal up. But he's such a valuable asset at the moment, isn't he, Surridge? His movement's excellent. Um, so what is he, 23? I think we've got him for a couple of million pounds. It's looking an absolute steal <clears throat> at the moment. I think um, his... His all-round play is, is absolutely fantastic. He's he's decent in the air. He's not the quickest, but what he maybe lacks in his in, in that first yard of pace, he makes up for with uh, football intelligence and his movement's great. You know, the, the chance at Fulham where he was at the far stick and, and the keeper somehow saved it. If you watch his movement there, he sort of darts to the near post, the defender goes with him and he pulls away to the far post for, for what maybe should have been an easy tap-in. But that is... That is really intelligent movement, and yes, that that second goal of his, where he bent it in the in the top corner, is the first time as well. And he, he has this striker's knack of he doesn't really even look at the goal because he knows where the goal is. So he has one glance up, he knows where it is, he looks at the ball, um, just like his finish at uh, Blackpool, where he, where he smashed it in the corner. I'm not sure you can teach that. He's, he's obviously a very very gifted footballer. Uh, and we're we're kind of lucky to have him. I think he's he's with us for another two years. But like Sarah says, I mean, if he if he starts next season, dependent on what league we're in, um, certainly if we're in the championship, I can see him getting twenty goals easily, especially with that kind of service that he's getting at the moment. Um, he uh, he could be the the replacement for Graben that we've been looking for. We you know we we always talk about these twenty goal a season strikers, and we've had maybe two, maybe three over the last. 20 odd years I think everybody can probably name them um could he be one maybe I mean he's he's started off absolutely on fire on his career and his his goals to minute ratio when he was coming off the bench was astonishing if I'm honest so now he's getting a run in the team albeit due to a few injuries he's he's proven that he's he's more than uh worth getting a you know a start start for the team and I think what's going to be really interesting that is if Davis is back and if we're in the playoffs, does Davis get back in the team? Because if you would have asked me this two weeks ago, I'd say yes, of course he does. He's he's brilliant at this level. But how can you drop a guy that's just scored a hat-trick, that looks like he's going to score every time he gets through on goal, and as Sarah says, works really, really hard, so gives that you know extra legs for the team. It's, it's a great, it's a great uh, quandary for Cooper to have, to be honest with you. But... Um, Rather that than having to scratch around for uh, for options, so no, it is looking really, really positive. And if we are in the playoffs, I'm sure we'll talk about it. And Davis is back. He's got he's got a hell of a decision to make. 
Yes, well, dipping into the comments, that was going to be one of my, my next questions. That's you know, a few people wrote it. Samuel raised it here on Facebook. If Dave's fit, would he get in the team? If, well, if he was Steve Cooper, Sarah, and there's a playoff game tomorrow. <laughs> I'm glad nice, I'm not. Nice problem to have. Well, yeah, nice problem to have, though. Well, oh, a, a really good problem to have. Um, he doesn't like to change things too much, Steve Cooper, and you could see why he would stick with starting um, Surridge, if that is the case. But I think Surridge is a better impact player coming off the bench than Davis perhaps would be, um, because he can get the goals if the opportunities crop up. Whereas I think Davis, you you have him pummeling the opposition for 60, 70 minutes and then you bring Surridge on to, to finish off chances. I'm not sure it would work quite as well if you had it the other way around. Um, but it, it is a really nice problem to have. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like you say, Surridge is such a natural finisher. You need someone. You need ice in the veins coming off the bench, mm. off the bench, and maybe yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. I was going to say pick Surridge, but yeah, you might well be right there. We're talking about it because Davis might be fit for the playoffs. Is that right, Sarah? That's the latest on Davis, isn't it? Yeah, um, I think the, the hope is he'd have a a chance of being back for the playoffs. Um, but we we all know Steve Cooper's record when it comes to talking about injuries. So uh, we'll see him on the bench on Tuesday. Yeah, it'll play 90 minutes on Tuesday. Though. Yes. It'll be a bad thing, hopefully. We'll come to that game uh, in depth in a minute. A couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Um, just a quick word on the first goal, Sarah. What happened there from your point of view? It sounded like it was a bit mad. We got there in the end. Goodness, knows. <laughs> Goodness knows. I still don't know. Um, one minute it was a penalty and a, and a red card, and then it wasn't, and it was rescinded, and it was a goal. Um Cyrus Christie's had a heck of a week for Forest, scoring against Bournemouth and then scoring an own goal against them. Um, yeah, yeah, his best week for Forest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, he deserves a medal if they do get promoted. Yeah, it was just. I mean, Jack Colback did well to, to try to force it over the, the goal line, and um, it took a while for them to decide. I think we were sat there for a few minutes thinking, "Is this a penalty? Is it a goal?" Um, eventually, they decided, or that the um, the review system showed that. It had crossed the line and it counted in the end, which is is all you can ask for. Would you rather, quick question to each of you, uh, would you rather have a penalty and 10 men or a goal and a yellow card? Sarah first. Um, I'd rather have the goal. Uh, uh, yeah, penalties make me too nervous. I'd, I'd rather have the goal and it was done. Mikey? Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this question by saying... It depends on the state of the game and the minute of the game. <laughs> this is supposed to be a one-word answer. It is. Okay. It is kind of. Um, so where it happened on Saturday, it was relatively early. I would have rather had a penalty than sending off because even if we didn't score the penalty, we've got 70-odd minutes against 10 men. Now, if it was 10 minutes to go and it was nil-nil, then, of course, i go along with Sarah. So I think it's all dependent on the state of the game. But on this one, yeah, I would have sent him off and had the penalty. I do remember a game against Swansea uh, about 11 years ago in the playoffs where Swansea had someone sent off about three minutes in and Forrest couldn't break them down. So I think I'd take the goal, personally. It doesn't really matter. Frivolous question. Um, last thing to talk about from the game, unless there's something else to raise, is Alex Mighton's goal. Nice bit of icing on the cake there, I guess, really. He's been a bit on the fringes, but he showed what he can do when he came on, didn't he? Yeah, really, really pleased for Martin. He took it so well. It was great determination to get there and to um, to get the ball in the back of the net. I thought he he's looked good whenever he has come on um, from off the bench. And he did again on Saturday. I thought he looked really bright, really lively, um, really got involved. Um, and we asked Steve Cooper about him um, yesterday, actually. And he said that he's still a big part of his plans. It's just that he hasn't 
he's had a bit of a tough season, a bit of a frustrating season with injuries, with how well the team's been doing. Um, I mean, forcing your way into the the starting eleven at the minute is tough for anybody. And he's just had to be a bit patient. Um, but the manager did stress that he's he's a big part of his plans going forward. He thinks he can have a bright future. He really rates him. He really likes him. It's just he's still young. You forget how young he is and um, how much he still has to develop. But he's, he's, he's a good player, isn't he? He showed that on Saturday. And he'll show that again, no doubt. Yeah. I suppose the big question with Mighton is what his best position is. I don't think he's a winger. I don't think he's a central striker. Mikey, is he... A- Secondary striker off someone playing in that kind of right channel between the fullback and the centre back is that his long term future? Yeah, I think so. Um, probably because of the way he's he's built and he's quick and he's great on the half turn. So so perhaps that's where he, he will develop. Um, what we'll say though, Sarah, I don't know whether you noticed. You know when Martin scored, did you see Yates run grab the ball? Yeah. So that yeah. is like I love that, and me and my friend mm. were talking about it. That that shows the mentality in this team at the moment. You know, can we get a six? There's a few more minutes to go. They probably, I know they say they don't, but they probably knew Bournemouth were winning easily. So it's its one of those things. They could have just said, do you know what? We're not going to do anything for a few minutes. We'll just make sure we're all fit. But that's not the mentality at all under Cooper. And you, you saw that at Bristol when he first took over, running the ball back and trying to get the winner. Um, so I did notice that. But yeah, going back to Martin, Matt, I think um, he, you know, a lot of fans say, would he benefit from, alone to say League One like uh, Ryan Yates has and, and, and Brennan has before that and even going back to the past players like Wes Morgan and Jamal Lassell went to lower level and kind of sort of toughened them up a little bit so there is that argument and I'm not sure where I stand on that but I think he does need more minutes on the pitch so I guess dependent on where we're at next season what league will probably determine the amount of chances he has so it may be that we see him try and get regular football somewhere but I suspect that if we don't go up and you know certain people will obviously leave and the lone players the vast majority will go back he may get a good run inside next season and I do see him as that sort of inside forward on the half turn uh facing goal 20 25 yards out running at the opposition I think that's that's where he's primed at maybe not in the center but maybe as, as Brennan does and as um Joe Lolly used to a few years ago sort of cutting inside and, and playing that way but he's the ceiling is very high for players like Alex without without shadow of a doubt. Yeah, definitely. Agree, agree. Uh, let's look at Tuesday then in some depth. Bournemouth, um, Forest win, then it's in their hands going into the final game against Hull. Goal difference is very close, as we were discussing there. So, yeah, all to play for. How are the nerves, Mikey? Oh, you know me. I'm like a like a rock. <laughs> I don't... Uh, dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, how are the nerves? Do you know what? I, I'm seeing this as a, as a bonus because if it's a bit of a cliche, but if you would have said to me after seven games, did have the playoff spot cemented and they're going for automatic, I would have thought you were mad. But the fact that we've got playoffs sewn up, we're going to be, I think we're at home second leg, I'm not too sure, but I think we, we must be. All this to me is a bonus. This is almost like, can we somehow, you know, scrape a gold medal instead of a silver medal. You know, nobody expected us to do it. Um, it's like going into those final few rounds of a big boxing match, you know, and everybody's just swinging. And can we land a punch before before they land a punch? I didn't expect any of this. So I'm not I'm not really nervous, if I'm honest. Now, if you ask me in a, in a week or so for in the playoffs, I'll be absolutely <laughs> terrified. <laughs> because of our playoff um, 
uh, record. And also, I think we're the best team in the playoffs, so we will be. And will the pressure be on us? Maybe. So, and anything can happen during a football match during 90 minutes. So, I, I will be a little bit nervous then. But no, at the moment, it's all, it's all a bonus, this. If we go away and beat Bournemouth and then beat Hull, it's just absolutely incredible. But if we don't beat Bournemouth, it's still been a phenomenal last few months. And we've still got real optimism that we can we can get up. This is almost like a bonus shot. It's it. That's the way I'm kind of seeing things. What about you, Sarah? How are you feeling about the game? Terrified. I've been terrified for the last few weeks. Um, yeah, uh, I think Mikey's right. He's, it's absolutely is a bonus game. But I think because it's so close and because there's such a great chance and a, a great incentive, Forest can smell it. They can see what's there. They know the prize. It's There's so much riding on it. Um, what I will say is that that the whole camp and, and Steve Cooper are as relaxed and as calm as, as you could want. There's no sense of nerves or tension or or feeling any pressure at all. Um, the word that, that that Steve Cooper used, I think probably about 20 times yesterday, was excited. They can't wait for it. They're, they're desperate to get it played, desperate to get down there. He said after Saturday that if they could have played Saturday night, they would have done um, because they just want to, to, to go and show what they can do. They've thrived on these big occasions before. We've seen it in the FA Cup. We've seen it in at Fulham. We've seen it so many times. Um, they'll be well up for it. And I think, yeah, it's exciting. It's just that there's so much at stake and so much riding on it that, um, yeah, I, I'm terrified. I'll just put the league table up on the screen for those watching on um Facebook and YouTube later on so we can talk through it just quickly and I'll uh, read out see if people are listening on iTunes. So Forest are on 79 points, Bournemouth obviously on 82. The goal difference, Forest is just one ahead. So obviously if they win the game, uh, that favours them and it'll extend it. If they draw, then it might favour Forest very slightly, but it's very, very, very close. Um, team news, Mikey, or team selection? I mean, I just pick the same team personally, but what would you do? Yeah, same team. Assume, assuming Sarah's not right and Keenan Davis is, is back. <laughs> <laughs> That's no inside no, knowledge. I, I, it's just a, <laughs> just no, a guess. No. What um, about you, Sarah? Yeah, same. I don't think there's any question. Um, I would absolutely pick the same team. Um, yeah, I think Steve Cook will be will be absolutely desperate to to do well on Tuesday. Um, if he doesn't score the winner, then there's there's no justice because he, he's. Mm. Uh, He's come close to getting his first goal on several occasions, and I'm sure he'll be he'll be well up for it. I'm sure he will. I don't think him and Scott Parker might have parted on the best terms no. by the sound of it. So I'm sure he'd be quite happy to stick one in the back of the net and celebrate in front of him. I'd love that if he did that. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> um, how did Forest go about the game, Sarah? I was thinking the way they went about it at Fulham is probably the best way, isn't it? They got right in their faces and pressed high. It's a risky tactic, but I think it's probably the best one, is it? Yeah, I think so. Um They'll go to win because that's how they approach every game. Um, it's just, I guess, in the manner that they do it. Um, but yeah, I think the way they played that Fulham game will probably suit them. Um, and defensively, they, they were rock solid that day. Um, and you'd back them to be the same again. Um, I think it'll probably be quite a nervy, cagey, tense game because Bournemouth need a win as well. If they win, then they know they've got second. Um, and equally, you know, they want to keep Forest at arm's length still, even if it's a draw. So I think it'll be one of those games where there's not a lot in it 
take your chances. If Forest get a chance, they need to take it. Um, and yeah, it's all about cool heads, staying calm and collected. And yeah, it, it would be fine margins. I know it sound like Mark Warburton with that, but <laughs> it probably will be. What about you, Mikey? How do you want to see Forrest go about it? Yeah, same. I think um, Owen's put in the comments he'd take a Steve Cook 94th minute winner. Yeah, we all would, mate, to be honest with you. Not in the 94th minute, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Before that. The um, the, uh, Cook's record for Forrest is um, when he started games. I think I read that he's, I think he started 16 games for Forrest and they won 13 of them and lost one. So, those three at the back, Cook, Worrell and McKenna, will be absolutely vital on Tuesday. There is no doubt about that. So whilst I don't expect Bournemouth to have sort of Swansea levels of possession, what I do expect from them is to be far more or have far more of a cutting edge than Swansea did. Um, their front three is excellent with Jefferson Lerma, I think, just behind them. They'll cause Forrest a lot of problems. So we have to start really, really quickly, like you said, Matt, I'd push up, get in the faces a little bit, see if we can take control of the game early. Um, the pressure really is on them. I mean, they their lead must have been, I'm, I'm quoting it, 10, 12 points at least. They must have been miles ahead a few months ago. So, like I said, anything from us in my head is a bonus. So, if we can go one up, for example, or if we can dominate the game, <clears throat> will the crowd, will the nerves of their crowd transmit to them? Maybe because of the situation that they've been in. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, same team for me. High intensity. Uh, uh, I would say try and just be clinical. I know it's dead easy for me to say, but we will get chances that game because of the way that they play. And, you know, we've got a striker at the moment who's in form, uh, <clears throat> plus players like Brennan Johnson, Zinc and Eagles come back to form last few weeks. I believe we will score on Tuesday. The question is, can we keep them out? But like I said before, you know, Steve Cook and the lads at the back, if they play like they did at Fulham, there's every chance we can come away with a game uh, with, with a win there. And then, oh my word, that last day at Hull, what is that, what is that going to be like? Then I'll probably get nervous, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would as well. That's when I would be worried. That and the playoffs. I hate the playoffs so much. Uh, not that we've experienced it for a long time. Mikey raised an interesting point there. I was going to ask you next around pressure. I think Bournemouth had a, something like a 12-point lead a month ago. Obviously, that's been eroded. Is Mikey right? Is the pressure more on them than Forrest? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They've seen Forrest come charging at them. Um, and now they're so close. You, you're bound to get a little bit nervy and, and edgy. I think if you you look at some of the, the comments that Scott Parker has made in the last couple of weeks, um, I think he was nearly on Kevin Keegan level the other, the other day when he was talking about... Um, how he wants to beat Forrest, he wants to beat um, everybody. And it was, yeah, it was nearly nearly Kevin Keegan level of uh, of quotes with that. But they, they've they seen that lead cut down. Um, they're, they're the ones in second at the moment. They're the ones who, who can get automatic promotion on Tuesday. Um, so, yeah, the pressure's all on them. Forrest, like Mikey said earlier, it's a free hit. It's a, a free shot. They've, they've got nothing to lose. Bournemouth have. Just looking at the Bournemouth team before we move on, I've got it in front of me from their last game. It looks to me like they're strengthening the attack. I mean, it's, we can't forget they've got players like Lerma cost 25 million in midfield, Solanke cost 20 million, 
They've got Christie, who's a good player, Scotland's national, Billing. And then on the bench, the reason I looked is because I was going to say I was a bit scared of Kiefer Moore. He was an unused substitute for Bournemouth. He's given Forrest no end of problems previously. Mm-hmm. They started this problem with big strikers. Because with Mikey, we can't forget the quality of Bournemouth, can we? Forrest is still probably still on paper the underdogs, you think? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So this is a team that's recently been in the Premier League for numerous seasons, uh, will have had have invested for numerous years, um, will still be having parachute payments. You know, I think they bought Morgan Rogers for 10, 12 million. I don't know where he is. So the, the, the strength and depth of their, their squad is for their, their fraud to see. I remember when they came up to the city ground um, at the start of the season, um, obviously Brooks was in the team. Um, Billing, obviously great player he is. He's, he's really good, certainly at this level. So they're going to pose a hell of a threat. And like Sarah says, they are, I'd say, they're the favourites. You know, the expectancy from from them themselves, I would have thought, certainly their fans, is that they go straight back up. Huge budget, serious investment in the team. It's there for all to see, as you said, Matt, that Jefferson Lerm is a really, really good player when he's when he's on form. They've also got players like um, Jamal Lowe, I think they got from Wigan. Uh, they've been yeah, using... Jaden so Anthony, players like that, yeah. yeah. Really, really good. And on their day can turn a game. So we need to be really um, focused from the first minute. But, you know, like Sarah says, we've got nothing to lose. So if we if we do go there and lose that game, so be it. They should be going up in the top two. Um, I just think that the more the game goes on and the longer it goes on, and if it's still tight or one goal between it, you might see a few nerves from their end. I don't think we'll have any nerves at all. Because it's, you know, we've got playoffs secured. We weren't expected to be in this position. And we'll just go there and give it a go. And then whatever happens, happens. But um, I always, uh, it always fascinates me, the the mental side of it. So, you know, they one team might race to a two-goal lead and that's absolutely fine. But if it does go on and it's tight, that's where your, your mental strength comes in. Um, and I'd love to see what happens in the last 30 minutes if it's still nil-nil. See who cracks first. It'd be very interesting. Mm, true, true. Um, I think Morgan Rogers is on loan from Man City. He's an interesting case. I mean, it shows how much Bournemouth have thrown at it. You can't even get in their 25-man squad, and I think Forrest were interested in him. So, yeah, Bournemouth have thrown plenty at it. Just quickly, um, before we go, next 10 minutes or so, I mean, the playoffs are very much stood in the picture, so I'm going to put the table back up in case Forrest don't win. Um, Sarah, Sheffield United are currently in sixth uh, on 72 points. Bournemouth also on 72, but with uh, a game extra to play. Then you've got Middlesbrough on 70 and Millwall on 69. Their goal difference is a bit bleak, so they need a big goal swing. But we know those can happen on the last day. Um, Sheffield United have got Fulham on the last day and Middlesbrough, I think, have got Preston. So who's making, who's finishing sixth, Sarah, for you? Um, I think Sheffield United will, will just get it. Um because they're the ones in front at the moment, and I think I think they'll hold on to it. But it's going to be close. I mean, that final day is is going to be a heck of a heck of a round of fixtures because there's still quite, a, or there could be still quite a fair bit at stake. True, true. Well, relegations decided. We know. All yeah. About. Other yeah. than that, <laughs> Mikey. Um, I think you said Luton will finish sixth. So who's going to finish fifth? Yeah, I do believe Luton will. I think they've got Fulham tonight, and they've got another tough game at the end and I can't see Sheffield United or Middlesbrough slipping up so I think Sheffield United will finish fifth I think Luton will finish sixth and then if we do finish third that would mean we get Luton over two games um, 
I'd be quietly confident that, that we could win that over two games. There are they've done amazing, Luton, to be honest with you, with their budget. But um, you'd fancy Forest over two games, and then it's then it would just be a a one game winner takes all. But there's so many permutations, so many things can happen. And, and like Sarah says, you know, we're looking at Millwall that goal squid swing. Where have we seen that before, eh? Goal swing mm-hmm. on the last day. Mm-hmm. So anything can happen. I w- I wouldn't rule out anything at all. Well, they've got Bournemouth, haven't they, on the last day? Millwall? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, at Bournemouth. So, Mm. yeah, that'd be quite useful if they won that. Um, Middlesbrough still worry me. Just because of Jed Spence, I'd hate to go into the playoffs without Jed Spence. Unless there's been some amazing admin error and Forrest could uh, play him, but uh, I don't think they can. And Sarah, just quickly before we move on, um, just to explain the Lyle Taylor situation. I know you did a piece on it, but Forrest is short on strikers people watching Taylor couldn't even play in the playoffs could he even if he comes back from Birmingham no um no he can't play um loans are, are clusters window to window um so he is still technically a Birmingham player even though their season has finished and if Forrester in the playoffs and theirs hadn't so no he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't be available unfortunately but uh yeah it just goes so that Spence would be available but he couldn't play against Middlesbrough which yep. is a pain if it comes to that last topic before we go um further success throughout the club I guess obviously the under 18s are in the youth cup final and now the under 23s are in the playoffs first year after getting cat one status playing some much better teams that's another great achievement Sarah isn't it yeah absolutely and the women's team are doing great as well the whole feeling around the the club is just fantastic there's just such a buzz and an energy and a real a real sense that this season from all different levels could be a, a special one and um, the FA Youth Cup final will be an incredible occasion broken the the attendance record already for it um it's playing at Old Trafford against Manchester United it will just be wonderful um and I'm sure whatever happens with it the, the players will benefit from it hugely. Um, fantastic experience to play in such a uh, such a stadium in front of such a massive crowd on um, a grand stage like that. Um, under twenty three is doing great as well. They're still in with a, a great chance of having a, a fantastic season. It, it's just the whole club is just transformed, and it's, it's just brilliant. It's great to see. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, Dale Taylor's on the bench at the weekend, Mikey. They've got Julian Larson. We haven't even seen Jonathan Panzo yet, but you see lots of clips of him running 30 metres with the ball up the pitch from centre-back in the under-23s. The production line, just touch wood, is is there to continue for years to come, hopefully, isn't it? Yeah, they say success breeds success, don't they? Or at least the uh, a positive mindset and ethos filters all the way through every level and every team and front of front of house and behind the scenes you know I, I know there's a lot of happy people there at the moment so yeah that Panzo goal if anybody hasn't seen it mm-hmm. he does run from his own half plays a one-two and then hits it in very I mean that gives you a lot of uh, confidence that, that he might be able to make a difference next season but um yeah we've got a lot of very talented younger players and it's a, it's a testament to to all the team you know Gary Brazil all all his guys as well that have kind of work with the guys as well so yes this team is a very special one for Forest at the moment but it does give you confidence that regardless of what happens this season there is that conveyor belt and there is that um, those players that can come in and make a difference and that is that's just that, that's just wonderful to know and it gives you that level of confidence as well so it's brilliant to see all the teams at all the levels doing well and the women's team as well it's just fantastic it's a great time to be a Forest fan 
Absolutely. A good note to leave it on. Uh, we'll leave it there. The plan tomorrow, uh, well, Sarah, you're going to go to Bournemouth and uh, report on the game for us all. And yeah, with then... a pillow to hide behind. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then for the rest of us, um, I think what we'll do, podcast-wise, Mikey, uh, you're going to join me about 20 minutes after the final whistle on YouTube. So do subscribe on YouTube and then you'll get an alert here when that's starting. And we'll discuss the game with uh, yeah, yourself, Mikey. I think Greg Mitchell's going to join us because he can't go. And Michael Temple should join us as well. And we'll all get together and discuss what we hope is a win. But if not, I don't think we'll be too downcast because, as you say, it's like winning the bonus ball at the moment. Let's see if they get the rest of the lottery numbers and uh, land the jackpot of promotion. That was cheesy, wasn't it? Hey. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> Thought on the fly. Uh, yeah, sorry. That's a, a very uh, cheesy note to end on. But we are going to end it there. So, Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you. Mikey, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. Cheers, Sarah. Thank you. And hopefully we shall catch everyone tomorrow after a Forest win. Uh, see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.